this was a rough week. Um, Raylene's already mentioned it. I, I, did, I did appreciate the way she looked at me when she said, I don't remember what I was going to say, and then she looked at me, which goes to show you that all wives truly believe their husbands can read their mind, <laughs> which is like completely against everything her and I have ever taught in, in marriage seminars together, because we always say that you can't have you can't read each other's mind and have unspoken expectations in your relationship. And then she goes, I don't remember what I was going to say. Like I'm going to tell her, I know exactly what you were going to say. You know that. <laughs> did y'all see that? Am I the only, did I, am, do I just have a chip on my shoulder? Am I, did I see something? Come on, did y'all witness that? <laughs> of course you didn't. Uh, yeah, this has been a, a rough week. Uh, Raylene's already mentioned, um, you know, for us to keep the people that were affected in Las Vegas in our prayers. I've been, a, you know, this is crazy, crazy times, and, and crazy stuff happens. And um, and then everybody keep me and 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 Baylor in your prayers. Uh, we lost um, someone we feel like is a family member this week, Tom Petty. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do without any new Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers songs. I don't know what I'm going to do. So I'm going to have to kind of go to counseling and work that out. And, um, uh, you know, somehow or another. Um, yeah, uh, sad, sad events this week. We want to pray for our nation. And we do that in Pray First on Wednesday nights. And we not only take time to pray for the prayer cards, uh, pray for our own personal needs. We pray um, most Wednesdays, we pray for the nation. We pray for our church and our state. Um, we pray for the, the, you know, the world, the countries that, um, not only not only countries that we have missionary friends in, but those in which we don't. We pray a lot for the 1040 window. Uh, so our, our our hearts and minds are with all of that, and we do that on Wednesday night. And um, it's a very tremendous session in here. Uh, while we're having the children and our and our junior youth and also our youth are meeting as well on Wednesday night. And while I'm talking about our children, our youth, and our junior youth, can we just give all of our youth and children volunteers just a great hand because they're a great part of our dream team making stuff happen. Making stuff happen. I'm telling you, I'm, we're just so blessed, so blessed. And, and we, you know, we just see um, God doing things. Uh, I'm going to conclude... Uh, the series today, the series we've called Construction Zone. And, you know, I've realized, you know, through the course of this series, and I bring this construction cone out every week um, to remind us that if we really want to realize our destiny, we kind of have to get used to these right here. I mean, growing things change. And the reality of that is, is it's very difficult with the DISC profile. And we use a, a shortened version of the DISC profile, personality profile, in our next steps. And that's taking place today, Next Steps 201. Uh, that S personality, the D-I-S, the S personality, kind of, it sort of stands for steady. And, it, and something like 78% uh, of all people that take the DISC profile have S um, in their in their personality type, and it, it's sort of indicative of of all of us in in one way or another 
that we just kind of like things to remain the same. We, we like things to be steady. Now, there are some people that don't have S in their personality, um, and, and those, those are the people that, you know, like run their heads through the wall. But, um, but the reality of it is, is, that, is that change for a lot of people is very uncomfortable, especially, especially as you grow older. I know, um, you know, I see more gray hair than I, than I used to, and, and, um, and I, I, I'm not washing that gray right out of my hair. All of the young people just went, what? What was that? What was that? And, and all of the older people went, I remember that commercial. You know, but, you, know you just, you, you see these changes. You know, there are things that I, there's things that I, that I used to do with no thought at all. No thought at all uh, about any negative repercussions. You know, and I mean, anymore, you look at the ladder and you think, That's exactly what you think. And so, you know, you just you realize that, you know, maybe I, you know, maybe I can't do some of the things I used to do. And maybe I can't go some of the places I used to go. I mean, because of because I'm changing and, and, and people see change, by and large, they see change as a very negative thing. But yet, but yet at the same time, we recognize that that change can be very positive, especially when it comes to growing. Um, in our life or growing in the church or, or growing even in the community. I, I mean, I think years ago when we, when we built this building out here on the highway, you would have to drive um, north on Highway 75. You would have to drive until you got kind of to the overpass uh, there on, on um, 151st Street. And when you would top that overpass, you would finally see you know, some significant lights. I mean, it's pretty dark from here to that. You know, you top the overpass, you'd see the Glenpool red light, and you could see, you know, you start seeing civilization. You know, and I mean, it's hard to believe, you know, that, that uh, some of you think, man, I, I've never seen it. I mean, we pull out of the church now, and, and it's lights the whole way. And fixing to be even more lights with the car dealership. Just We're going to see their parking lot lights. They're the largest car dealership in the state of Oklahoma. We're going to see their parking lot lights from our church. And I think, man, that's some, that's some change. But yet at the same time, it's significant change because the town is growing and, 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 and good things are happening. And whether we want to embrace the cones or not, this is the reality of change, is that it's changing anyway. You know, I mean, when you think about towns that are, that are diminishing, they're changing as well. They're changing in a very negative way. And, and there's no new business and there's no new construction and, and things are beginning to fall in disrepair. Because, because a lot of times people begin to gravitate toward the growing communities. I mean, for me, you know, I was born and raised in the Houston, Texas area and we didn't drive very far to get to a grocery store or to a convenience store or to whatever because you were, you were in a city, growing city environment. And, and that's becoming more and more true that, that, you know, I mean, used to you would have to, you know, to, to get anything of, of, that, that was important to you. You would have to drive 
over maybe to 71st Street and Memorial to finally get somewhere to buy some shoes or whatever. And now it's just much more convenient to go to Tulsa Hills or to even Glenpool and the new businesses and things are, are coming because the town is growing. And as the town grows, more of these amenities um, you know, begin to take place. And, 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 and it's really nice to be able to just drive just three minutes and, and, and land at a Walmart instead of 20 minutes. People like those conveniences, but at the same time, it can be very inconvenient. I mean, construction zones, necessary, yes, necessary for growth, necessary to re- recognize and realize your potential and your destiny, but, but a little messy, construction zones, a little messy, a, a little confusing, construction zones, like like, I don't exactly understand, you know, why we have to go through all this. Now, now we understand that it's necessary, but at the same time, they can be quite aggravating. I don't like to slow down. And so we've discussed the fact that, that we are all uh, literally in our lives involved in a construction zone project. That God is still working on us. That we kind of live in a perpetual construction zone. And then even the church, that as we gather together in this corporate body, that, that churches remain in this constant state of building and changing and evolving. And, and, and there's this constant feeling of, uh, of construction that can be messy and, and it can be confusing and it can be aggravating. It can kind of leave you with... With, with what was that? I don't understand this. You know, I, I don't like the road narrowing down to one lane. And so, how do we how do we navigate these construction zones? You know, that's really I've, I I don't normally give my subtitle. The subtitle for me is just for my own direction to remember the heart of where I really want to go with the sermon, and so. And so when I when I title my notes, I, I have the the primary title, the one that we you know that we titled the series with. With this was called Construction Zone, and below that primary title on my notes here, I say navigating the construction zones. How do we how do we navigate these construction zones, Ex- especially when when we get these verses like Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 3, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build. How do we navigate the tension of the negative and the positive poles that the Word of God promises us? That, that in every one of our lives, there's this, there's this time that, that things kind of get tore down and, and, and then there are times where things are, are built back. And how do you navigate all of that? I mean, the tension of tearing down is it's crazy. You know, because that's where you start getting into this thing of change. That Well, I don't understand why that changed. I don't understand why it feels different. I don't understand why my, my life feels like it's in upheaval. I, I don't I don't like the messy, confusing, aggravating construction zone that I'm in right now. I mean, it just seemed like just last year things were, things were just going along okay. I, I don't understand why I have to go through this now. I don't, understand, I don't understand the construction zone that's taking place and this tearing down that seems to be happening 
in my environment? How do we navigate that tension? How do we, how do, we do that? Especially in the church when we recognize that this building of the church, when Jesus said, upon this rock I will build my church, that my church is going to be a construction zone. And, and, and how, do we, how do we navigate these things in our life, this tearing down and this building up? Especially in light of the fact that the, the church is built by people so that people can be built by the church. Well, then we start getting some clues about life, even our own life, that, that, that maybe there's a way for us to, ex, to embrace the cones in our life in such a way that we're not discouraged. That we're not discouraged. That we don't feel downtrodden. That our, that our, how do we keep our heart and our mind engaged in a, in a positive way? For me, the, one of the most key ingredients to navigating these transitional times in our lives where things are being torn down and other things are being prepared to be built is the big picture, the preparing to be built picture that comes to us from the Word of God. See, we can, we can survive the tension of construction zones when we, when we see more than just this momentary time of tearing down and building. When we can see beyond that, when we can see the big picture that, that God is doing something new and that if we're willing to embrace the newness, it helps us to look beyond this tension, this pain that we're going through right now in our life. Isaiah 43, 18 and 19. You know, this is pretty striking words from the Word of God. It says here, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. Well, that's hard. I mean, that's, that's kind of a command from Scripture that you think, man, I'm going to have to work on that. Am I the only one that has to work on that? You know, you, it's very easy for us to slip into this dwelling on the past thing. And, and, and dwelling on it in ways that, that, that hinder the new thing that God is trying to do in our life. I mean, this kind of nostalgic dwelling is, is one thing, this, that you, you dwell on it nostalgically. Another way of, of negatively dwelling on the past is to, is to dwell on the negative things that happen. And you just carry these weights in your life. You carry them like, 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 like bags of cement that... That, that, that you're just, you just can't get past that pain or you just can't seem to get past that hurt or whatever it is, whatever, this, whatever that negative slash is in your life, you just, you just dwell on it in such a way and it just completely, it completely stops your progress because you're just stuck there. Then this idea of dwelling on it nostalgically, I mean... Nostalgia is a, is a really funny thing because nostalgia will make you remember things from the past in a, in a more positive hue than they really were. We call that looking back at the good old days. The good old days. Well, I wish I could just go back to the good old days. Well, I mean, I don't want to 
get you down today, but you can't. You can't. We're not going back. And in the, in the unique thing about thinking about nostalgic, good old day type dwelling on the past is, is that all of our good old days probably land in different decades. You know, I mean, for me, if I'm going to think back on my good old days, well, my good old days probably going to land me in the 70s. I mean, life was just grand in the 70s. Man, in the 70s, there were no problems. There was no bickering, no arguing, no... Everybody was polite and together. Don't y'all remember that? You know? Don't you remember how grand it was in the 70s when, when groups like Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers were just coming on the scene and... Wow. It was just so grand. I mean, I think about, you know, man, man, in the in the 70s, I was evil Knievel. I was evil Knievel on my bicycle. And you know, it was great in the 70s because, because parenting had to have been easier because we didn't even wear bicycle helmets. And we didn't even have car seats. My mom would load us all up in the Station wagon with like a crazy seat in the back that faced the wrong direction. And you'd have, you'd have 15 people in there, no seat belts, and just hold the baby. Man, that's the good old days, evil Knievel days, man. We didn't just set up ramps to jump our bikes off of, we put on shows. I would don my Easter suit and I'd get on my purple western flyer. And we'd and and my mom and our then it was great, man. They would pull chairs outside and they would sit and we'd put on jump the ramp and you know, we'd jump the ramps and we'd we'd stand up with one foot on the seat like this and and my mom and them they just clap. You know? If that were if that was Boston, I would have said, Boston, sit out on that bicycle. And where's your helmet? No, it's a whole different world. The good old days, back when I, when I used to, I could be evil Knievel. The good old days. Elvis Presley was still alive. And I, rem- I, remember the, I remember the day that Elvis died. Well, I remember the day that Elvis died. That should be a song. I remember the day that Elvis died. I crawled on my bicycle. I had a radio. I had a radio, a red radio that screwed to the handlebars that was an AM radio. And I drove around, I rode my bike around East Texas Oak Subdivision with Elvis playing, letting everybody know Elvis is dead. King is gone. Elvis has left the building. But isn't that kind of indicative of the good old days that you, you kind of forget that Elvis... Elvis died in my good old days. And, and I'm pretty sure my mom and dad could come up with some stories to tell you that it wasn't always great. It wasn't always easy. Well, see, now that's my good old days. Where, where are yours? How many of you were born 1990, 1990, 
in the 90s. Raise your hand, 90s babies. See, I, I lost you on all that. You're, you're probably still sitting there thinking, who in the world is evil Knievel? You know, what, what, is, what is this talk? Who cares about Elvis? We have the Backstreet Boys. And see, your good old days are so different from mine. I mean, you're like born in, you know, you're born in the 90s, and, you, you, and that's your good old days. And to me, man, you know, and then, you know I'm, I, I was old enough in the 90s. I mean, I'm an adult, got married in the 90s, had, had children, you know. I think, you know, well, I'd have to go a little bit farther back from than the 90s from for my good old days and there's some of you thinking well man the 70s were rough pastor i wish we could go back to the 50s i mean you're sitting here talking about elvis presley i remember elvis presley when he come out of the army see that's the thing about the good old days that if you dwell on that you can't go back you can't go back. And the word of the Lord screams at us that, 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 listen, if you dwell on that, then you will completely stop your potential for your future. You'll stop the potential for ministry. Well, I like the way we used to do it. Well, we don't do it like that anymore. It's not, it's not, any church that's progressing isn't doing it like that anymore. Because God is doing a new thing and you have to embrace, you have to embrace the cones and recognize that this, that this, that this new thing is important. So when we try to navigate these construction zones, we have to keep our eyes on the prize. Otherwise, it can be very discouraging. He goes on to say here, forget the former things in the 18th verse. Do not dwell on the past. Then he says this in the 19th verse. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. But then he asked the people, do you not perceive it? That this new thing is springing up in your life. That this new thing is springing up in your church. That this new thing is springing up in your family. Can you not see this new thing that's springing up? That God is doing something marvelous? Well, no, I'm so focused on the tearing down and the building. I'm so focused on the, I don't like this change. I don't like the way it feels. I don't like the way it makes me feel. And, and God's looking at the people saying, listen, don't focus. Don't focus on what it used to be. Look around you. I am doing this new thing. And this is the way you navigate these construction zones. Is that, is that you don't just see the construction. Yes, it's aggravating and messy and confusing when they take the road down to one lane. But there's a day coming that it's going to be wider. That they're adding another lane. That, 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 that there's going to be more room and there's going to be less traffic because, because this construction is making it possible for a new thing that's going to be better than what you had. It's going to be better. It's going to be a better experience if you, if you would be willing to embrace the cones. So I mean, I look at 
Hebrews chapter 12. And Hebrews chapter 12 for us understand that, that in the original Greek text there are no divisions of verses and chapters. So what is being said in chapter 11, it, it, chapter 12 is a continuation of the same line of thought. And, and if, you, if you read Hebrews chapter 11, uh, if you never have, you really should. It's a list of all of these people that that we call the heroes of faith. It is a list of all of these people that, 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 that had faith in God. And, and there's something very interesting about all of the ones that are listed in one way or another. They all pretty much had to endure stuff that, I mean, the thing that really kind of made them a hero of faith is that they embraced the construction in their life. They embraced it. You know, whatever... Whatever they were going through, you just read down through this list of people, and man, they had hardship and heartache, and 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 and, and you know they didn't see everything happen the way they thought it should, and and it was and it could be very discouraging, but the Bible says that they didn't give up, they didn't quit, they in, they embraced the reality that that sometimes the only way to the new is to. Is, is to have a tearing down and a building up and it's confusing and it's messy and it's aggravating. But, but if I'm going to be everything God has called me to be, I have to be willing to embrace the cones. So it is, we flow from this list of people that, that are heroes of faith and held strong in their faith with God and we roll into our 12th chapter Verse 1, therefore, so he's, he's saying here's this list of people. And therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, that these, these heroes of faith in the 11th chapter, such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And, and then listen, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. See, that's, that's the navigating tool is that we have to learn to persevere. We have to learn to just... Hang in there. Walt Disney called it stick to it ability. Stick to it ability. It's a hard word. He made it up. But he just means you gotta stick with it. You just you just don't give up. You just don't quit. I mean, if it's a line of traffic, you just stay in the line. You're gonna get through it. So we have to. We have to persevere some things in life. And, and then he says this, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. Now Jesus is going to show us how to persevere it, okay? This is how we're going to persevere it. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of God. For the joy set before him. See, the way you persevere is not to get so entangled with the construction that you forget that something good is coming. You know, I mean, Jesus, he, he, he may have lost heart in doing the will of the Father if, if he would have looked back and said, man, I just wish it could be like it was. And, and focus on this thing in the past where before Judas betrayed him. And man, those good old days back when we used to go fishing. Those good old days when it was me and the guys. Man, and we're just walking out there and I'm teaching Sermon on the Mount. Man, I wish I could just go back there and dwell on that. Or maybe even go farther back. You know, there's about a, there's about like a 28-year gap that we don't get 
a whole lot of knowledge about what was going on in the life of Jesus and just just bits and pieces, really, but, but from the time of his childhood. I mean, what if Jesus were to, you know, hear his wife, man, I wish I could just go back before this ministry thing started. I wish I could just go back where nobody knew my name, I, where I just lived at home with mom and dad, and just, I just wish I could, I could go back to that. You see, the, the, the way you navigate construction zones in your life isn't to dwell on the past. You, you'll never navigate it if you do that. Matter of fact, Jesus showed us that you don't even necessarily focus on the cross. I mean, the, what I'm calling the construction zone. That, I mean, the, a construction zone can feel like a cross. You don't really focus on that. The Bible says that, that Jesus endured it because he looked ahead. He looked at what was coming. He looked at the good thing that was on the horizon. And it was that joy, the joy that was set before him. That, hey, I'm not going to stay on this cross. I'm not going to stay in this construction zone. It's not always going to be messy and confusing and aggravating. It's not always going to be like that. That there's, there's something new coming that's going to that's make all of this worth it. And this is really a strong key on how we navigate these tensions in our life when we're personally going through construction or when the church is going through a construction process. This is how we navigate it. It's to remember that it's not, it's, it, this isn't permanent. The construction isn't permanent. The cross isn't permanent. And there's a joy on the other side that, 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 that is so much better for us than, than what it was. I mean, this same type of thought is found in 1 Peter 5.10. And the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, steadfast. And after you have suffered a while, that he himself will restore you. That, that word restore in the original language literally means to complete thoroughly, to repair, to adjust, to make perfect. Man, really? To repair, to adjust? Well, isn't that what a construction zone does? To establish you, to, per, to, to, to make this thing better? Construction zones bring the necessary adjustments to make the new thing the new thing. Several years ago, Raylene and I made a decision. We our houses, our house, you know, we 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 didn't have like a game area. We we were using one of the bedrooms as a game room, and the boys were getting a little older and and we thought to ourselves, you know, how can we, how can we make this house better as, as they move into their teen years? And because we can't keep doing this little game room in the bed, this little bedroom over here that's kind of, you know. I mean, our idea of, of what we wanted to do with our house was to, when our boys, you know, got into their teen years, that, that we would kind of be a place, a, a place of meeting and the friends would come to our place. We wanted to try to... We wanted, Rayleigh and I just, we wanted to make a sacrifice to make that happen.
Now, I mean, some weekends, like last weekend, when there were seven football players that spent the entire weekend at our house, I regret it thoroughly. But anyway, this, not really. I've never regretted it, but it has become that. I mean, it's kind of funny around our house, and these boys will come over, Boston's friends will come over, and Jared, you're a part of some of that, and it's really funny because they'll walk in, and he can verify this. They'll walk. It looks like an Asian internet cafe in our in this game room because they'll come in and they'll have an Xbox under one arm and a television under the other, and they just all file in with their own Xbox and TV. You know, and 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 they'll get it, and they set this thing up, and there's just wires everywhere. There's wires everywhere, and and our food, all of our food is everywhere too, and. I mean, it's like vultures. You can't even buy a bag of chips. Like these are my, I, I'm gonna, I'm, I think I'm going to start writing my name on bags. P-R. That's it. Don't touch my chips. No, I'm joking. But they come walking out there. They set these, and they'll be, they'll be seven, sometimes eight. Usually at least three. I mean, we, we left for church this morning. They were sleeping on our couches and on the floor. I mean, these goobers think it's their house. They know the garage door key, and they just come on in. We come home and say, oh, well, we have guests. You know, here we are. Now, that's what we saw. But let me tell you just a little bit about what happened. We, we, we went into this construction project. What we did is we took our garage. We, we literally pushed our garage down the driveway, readjusted the roof line, made a hallway out of our kitchen, that goes across what was the back of our garage and put a game room on the other side over there. All right? And man, it was messy because this this all this construction was just right right outside of our kitchen, our kitchen and our our dining area and our master bedroom. All of it's just it's just right on top of us for for weeks and months. It's just this mess. You know? And Then it got confusing and aggravating because some of you will remember back in 2008, around 2008, 2009, the, the housing market crashed. Y'all remember that housing market crash? Some of you do. Well, we had, we had financed this, a home equity line, a construction line of credit, a home equity line of credit to, to do this remodel project. And... And, and we had just put the roof, the shingles on. They had to roof the entire house and realign our, our roof to make all of this work. And, and I get a call. I can tell you exactly where. This is crazy. I can tell you where we were sitting when we got the call. We were sitting at the red light on 71st Street and Mingo on our way to 169. And we're sitting there, and David, the builder, calls and says, Hey, Rob, what's going on? Oh, no, blah, 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 blah. He said, I got a question for you, man. I just got a call from the roofer, and he said, Your, your check for the roofing bounced and I'm like that's not possible that check was written on our line of credit and we've only we've not even spent half of the line of credit that's not possible for that check to bounce it is a guaranteed check he went I don't know it bounced they they said this insufficient I'm like boy that's crazy so so we we immediately we hung up with him and immediately called the bank the national bank and and you know what they you know what they told us? They said, this is, you know, well, you're overdrawn. And we're like, did someone steal the, the, the other two-thirds of the money? Like, where's the money? And they were like, well, no, actually, because of this housing thing, um, 
we made a national decision that we slashed all home equity lines of credit. We slashed all of them by 80%. And so you, you don't get, you're only going to get 20%. We had already spent almost 40%. And so we're like, now wait a minute, wait a minute. So we've already spent more than, than 20%. They said, yeah, you're overdrawn. It's probably going to affect your credit. We're like, how do you make this decision? And I mean, it started this, I mean, I'm talking about a fight. And it, our whole project got shut down. And we were so angry with this bank. We were so angry that they had done this because we, we did nothing. We did nothing to deserve this. All we want is to finish the project. Our house is tore up. So after a couple of days of wrangling, Raylene got a hold of some, some top dude over in Phoenix, Arizona. And, and his first says, how did you get my number? I don't know how she got the number, but it was the guy that nobody gets to call, right? And he said, you're not even supposed to have my number. She said, look, you've got to fix this line of credit thing. And he's like, well, I mean, it's a company-wide decision. We did it. If you can prove to us that you're actually under construction. She said, well, just drive on over. And he's like, well, I'm in Phoenix. I can't exactly drive on over. She said, well, have the people from the bank right down here in Jinx drive on over. He said, well, I can't do that either. Anyway, we wrangled around with that until they finally agreed to give us the line of credit back. And then three hours after we got the line of credit back, we went to a local bank and did a line of credit there and paid that one off. And yeah, that's what you do, man. You walk in where you, you know, they know your name, right? I said all that to say this. We went through all of that so that we could have what we have now. All right? And the only thing that keeps you in the game in those moments is realizing we got we to gotta go through this in order to get that. The that is coming. That that is coming. That that is having all these young people at our house and, and they're playing their internet. I, I walked in there last night and I, I just walked in because we were feeding them supper, right? And so I walked in there and said, okay, guys, supper's ready. It's about 8 o'clock last night. Supper's ready. All right, so are y'all ready? And from the television, a voice says, hey, PR. It's somebody. And I'm like, well, hey, who am I talking to? Well, it was a guy named Cameron. He he wasn't at the house, but he was connected with them. You know what I'm saying? But they see, that's the that. That's the that that's coming. That's the that that, you, that you're waiting on. You're going through all of this construction. You're embracing the cone. All right? Because something good's on its way. We just have to learn to navigate it. And how do we navigate it? We navigate it by realizing and remembering that I'm going through this so that I can have that. I'm going through this right now so that I can have a better that. It might be a week, it might be a month, it might be a year, but there's a better that coming. And if we'll focus on that, it'll help us not get discouraged when the construction cones come out. It'll help us not get discouraged when we don't understand the hammers and the nails and why they why do I feel like I got a jackhammer going on on the inside. Why do I why do I feel why do I feel like You just have to remember that a that is coming that's going to make it all worth it. Jesus said, I'll endure this cross 
because there's a joyful thing set before me. There's a joyful thing set before me. Would you stand with me? This verse goes on to say that he will make you strong, that after you suffer a while, you'll be made strong. That means to establish. He says here that it'll make you firm. That is like to strengthen or confirm something in you. It also says it'll make you steadfast, to to lay the foundation. It literally means to ground you. I mean, it's talking about putting roots and grounding you, getting you secure. The church builds people, therefore we need to build the church. I want to close this series by saying again that we as a church family, when we talk about corporate construction, need to make a commitment to worship together, to serve together, to pray together, to fellowship together, to give together. And and there's next steps 201 is taking place today where you can learn more about yourself and maybe find a way that you're wired so that you can get plugged into a ministry. And man, that'd be awesome if you'd stick around. We got lunch and child care. Even if you haven't signed up, you can stick around and do that. Let me say, God has blessed us, and God will bless you. How about we pray together right now? Father, I thank you for your word today. I thank you for your presence, for your spirit that is working so beautifully among us as a people. I pray that you would strengthen anyone in this room that feels the tension of a construction zone. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to focus, to focus our mind and our attention on you. Father, I thank you right now for the gift of salvation that is free to us today. And I pray right now that if there's anybody on the sound of my voice that needs to make a dedication to you, that they would do that even right now, that they would that they would pray confessing you as their Lord and Savior, that they would pray understanding and knowing that Christ was raised from the dead by God for them. And, and I just pray right now in Jesus' name for your strength and help in their lives. Save us today and help us, keep us by your word, by your power, and by your presence. We'll give you the praise for it in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. All righty.